Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. We come to the close of this book, and we would have loved for this story to end right there. We learn from Jonah in this fourth chapter that even after the apparent success of his trip, he does not quite exactly agree with what God did. And this leads, as I said, to a very interesting conversation. What we're going to find here in this final chapter is that Jonah actually hated them. He didn't want them to receive the grace of God. It's a fascinating, fascinating place to be. It wasn't just impossible. And, and you know, we find ourselves there sometimes, don't we? God, I knew you'd do that. Pick it up in chapter 4 here. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring the destruction upon them which he had threatened. And Jonah seemed angry. I love the... Uh, the Christian Standard Bible. That's another one of my references. This is the NIV version of that verse. Look at the Christian Standard Bible. Jonah was greatly displeased and he became furious. <laughs> Everything should be great. You did what God asked you to do. You visited the evil city. They all repented and you're mad about it. You see, like you and I, sometimes we find ourselves offended by God's grace. Have you ever been offended by God's grace? Offended that God was good. Angry that God was gracious, that he was merciful. I guess this is an improvement because what's about to follow in this wonderful chapter is actually a, a conversation. And it, I'll give Jonah credit this time. At least he's talking about it. And he gives us a window into where his heart is. And more importantly, he gives us a wonderful picture of God's heart in dealing with us when we're offended by His grace. Verse 2, he says here, He prayed Jonah to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You see... I knew this is what was going to happen. This is why I ran from you in the first place. It wasn't that I was afraid of the Ninevites or that I didn't, you know, trust that you were there. It's not that I thought it was impossible. I was actually afraid you were going to forgive them. And they don't deserve it. Right? That's the heart of the issue here, isn't it? That's the heart of where we're at, Jonah. Sometimes in my life, I'll admit I've felt that way. But isn't this incredible? Listen to me. Jonah's been saved by a storm, chucked overboard, swam for his life until a fish swallowed him up, took him to God knows where, burped him up on a beach, sent him on his way to preach an eight-word message. 120,000 people become believers. And you walk your way up to the top of the hillside and you're upset about it. But you know, this is why I think that our story is so similar to Jonah's story. I can relate. Can you? We all want God's grace in our own lives, right? 
But we're offended when we see sometimes that grace in other people's lives. We see God extend His mercy, His grace, oh yes, His blessing into someone else's experience. And we find ourselves offended. God rescues us. He saved us. We call it amazing grace. We sing about it, right? Something we could never earn. We are the beneficiary of God's love and His grace in our own lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I get all that. But I don't, I, I don't know what it is about other people. Right? We start to give God a little advice. Commentary. Our, our, our advice. On how He's working in the other people's lives around us. We want to add something like a footnote to grace. Oh, all of you English and writers and readers. You know what a footnote is? We want to take and put just a little footnote. Grace! With just a footnote is defined as a note of reference, an explanation or a comment, usually placed below the text on a printed page in attempt to add additional information. We add a footnote to our grace, don't we? Our love is conditional, sometimes with people. If you loved me, you would do this. We've defined that love for someone else. Oh, if I loved you, I would do this. Of course I love you, I do this. You see how it gets mixed up? Like, I've done a couple bad things in my life, but God is good to me. Come on. We're talking about those people, Lord. We're talking about those people, not me. There's really evil people in this world. Like, like really bad people. Like the Ninevite people. Historically, the Ninevite people were so ruthless. The Assyrians, they would skin their enemies. You gotta be some kind of mean to just, you know, yeah. That's evil, right? That's mean. That's ruthless. That's an evil beyond what we could even understand. So, what I'm getting at here is let's not be quite so harsh on Jonah. Because you know who some of those uh, people were that the Assyrians skinned? They were Israelites. They were his people. But I can't bring myself, Lord, to forgive them. But you did. Look at verse 3. And so now, Lord, take away my life. For it's better me to die than to die. See, he knows his own current situation. I think he's very self-aware. He says, Lord, I can't get over this. I can't get over this. So I don't deserve to live. I'm wretched. Basically, he's saying, Lord, if you won't kill them, then kill me. If you won't kill them, then you might as well just kill me. I can't reconcile it in my heart and my mind. I'm better off not here. Like, if this is the way you're going to operate, Lord, then this is what you're going to have to do to me. Because I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't fit. I don't understand. And I'm gone. I'm done. Like, you're done in a big, huge storm with a bunch of people trying to save the ship. And you're, you're, you're done when you're sinking in the water of, of after being chucked out of that boat. And, and now you're done because you're in the belly of a fish and somehow you're still alive and you're able to pray, but you're done. And you get burped up on the beach and you finally say, uh, okay, I guess I'll go. And after all that, I need to just die. <laughs> I might feel that way too. Oh, but brothers and sisters... The story doesn't end there, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful verse. Look at this conversation that God simply initiates in His servant. God is so gracious. He's so loving. He's so patient. He's so wise in counsel, even with me. Verse 4, 
But the Lord replied to him, Is it right for you to be angry? I want you to think about that question for a second. Jonah, I get it. I know all things. I know your heart. I know what you've been through. I know every hair on your head. In fact, I orchestrated some of what you've been through. Do you really have a right to be angry? That's such a great question. Because you know, all of the other things that he could have said, like he could have just jumped to the conclusion, right? He's God. Jonah, it's wrong for you to be mad. I'm God, you're not. Shut up. Right? It's kind of like, unfortunately, we just say as parents, just do what I said. But I would challenge you to follow God's example here because he asks a very, very important question. He's drawing Jonah into the conversation, isn't he? And I love it. I found this quote this week. Ken Coleman, an author of a book. In fact, the title of his book is called One Question. It's about leadership. And leaders often need to understand this concept. Good questions inform. Great questions transform. And I think that's what God is getting at here. God speaks back to him in his misery. It's a beautiful question. Do you have a good reason to be angry? Don't you just hate it when God does this to us? Have you ever had this experience? God is loving. He's engaging us. Jesus was so good at doing this also when he was on earth, wasn't he? We read in the gospel stories over and over and over of these wonderful situations where he simply asks a question and it's transformational to the conversation. Just by answering their own questions, people grow. But Jonah doesn't actually answer God here in our passage just yet. Watch this. Because I believe Jonah has actually got something else on his mind. He's actually committed to his own comfort. Jonah is committed to his own comfort. So Jonah walks away, in essence. In verse 5, we pick up on what he actually did after God asked this question. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a little shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Like, what What are you waiting for? Right? Could he actually still have it in his mind that he's going to wait and see? Oh, those Ninevites, they're too evil. They're going to mess it up. And I want to be here when the, when the atomic bomb drops on this thing. Really? I'm speculating, of course. But commentators will tell you he, he just wasn't quite convinced. And so he wanted a front row seat. And he popped a little popcorn. And he was going to wait and see what would happen to the city. And then watch and see what God does to our dear friend Jonah. Verse 6. And God provided a leafy plant. And it, he made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Prophets are a weird bunch. But you might be happy also because what you need to realize is that Nineveh is now in common day or modern day Iraq. Okay? And what do we know about Iraq? This is a wonderful little artwork that I found. He's sitting underneath this wonderful leafy plant that's giving him shade in the cool of the day. 
Because in Iraq, it's hot. I mean, like, really hot. One of the greatest quotes I remember from our dear brother, regional pastor Jim Bartholomew, he and I and several others from Dayspring, were on a short-term missions trip in Mexico in June. Like, it was, it was hot. It was like over 100 degrees. And I, as a little Midwestern farm boy, had never been to a place where it was actually over 100 degrees. We had to actually water down the playground area where we were going to do vacation Bible school with the kids because it would burn their feet if we didn't wet the the ground down. And then when you wet it down, you only had about an hour. And then they'd all be, oh, ah, caliente, caliente. Yeah, it's hot. (laughs) But Jim and I, like many others, would say, oh, man, it's hot. And then somebody has to give us that wonderful phrase. But it's a... It's a dry heat. And Jim, Jim was great. He says, oh yeah, he never missed a beat. He said, yeah, it's a dry heat, whatever. So is my oven. <laughs> so is my oven. An oven is a dry heat. So Jonah finds himself here and he wants to get a, a look at what's going to happen. Like maybe they're somehow going to mess this up, right? Finally. Finally. In what appears to be the whole thing. The whole story. Jonah is finally happy under his little plant in his little shelter in the hot sun in Iraq. A little bit of shade for his hot head. Hmm. Where did that come from? He's comfortable finally. His needs are being met. Hmm. Interesting. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which he chewed on the plant, and it withered. Early in the morning. So when the sun rose, of course, God provided a scorching east wind. He was on the east side of the city, by the way. The sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he was faint. Have you ever been so hot you've been faint? Mm. That's not a good place to be, right? He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. He was so angry about the situation. He was so angry about the storm. He was so angry about the whale. He was so angry about God's forgiveness for this city. He was so angry. That's pretty angry, right? He just wants to die. And so here's another example of a wonderful truth that we can learn from Jonah's story. Because you see, Jonah is consumed with his own comfort. God consumed his comfort. (laughs) Jonah is so concerned about his own comfort. He's consumed with it. So God just consumes his comfort through a little worm. I know you felt like this. You just can't catch a break. Like even this wonderful plant that just grew up and and provided me nice big leaves for shade. And now some dumb worm has eaten it up. It withered and the wind blows. And now I'm about to faint because it's so hot. I just want to die. Ah, got you right where I want you, Jonah. Right? Because... God whispers to us in our pleasures, but He shouts at us in our pain. You know where that came from? C.S. Lewis. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, but He shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. C.S. Lewis. Powerful words. You see, okay, hold on a second, Pastor Charlie. God just wants us to be miserable all the time so we can hear from Him? No, 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 no. Don't hear me. Don't hear me wrongly. God is okay with your comfort. 
Okay? Yes. Until it hinders your obedience. God's okay with your comfort until it, until it gets in the way of you listening. Okay? We get too caught up in our comfort. Let's face it, right? We lose sight of God's plans in that comfort, in that pleasure. There's so many examples of this in my life. Too many to list. Maybe you feel the same way. But here's what it comes down to. What concerns me is often totally different than what is concerning God. Right? Let's face it. Sometimes what we get so worked up about, God is saying, Charlie, it just doesn't matter to me. Right? We're so worked up about things that totally don't. Pick it up in verse number 9. God engages. He prods He prods Jonah again. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. <laughs> you see, he answered him that time. It is right. So angry. Wish I was dead. Is it right for you to be angry about that plant? Did you plant it? Did you make it grow? Did you send the worm? Did you make it wilt? You didn't do any of those things. Yes, I do have a right to be angry. <laughs> okay, Jonah. The Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it. You did not make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And I, God, should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals? Well, take a look at your Bible. And, and then when you turn the page, the story continues. And uh, Look, kids, are you following along? Turn the page. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the whole book. And many animals? Lord, I mean, it, this thing is 48 verses long. If the two pages stuck together in your Bible as you're following through, you'd miss it. 48 verses. And it ends like this. That's it. Should I not have concern for these people? 120,000 people don't even know their right hand from their left hand, meaning they have no idea about me. Should I not be concerned? In essence, what he's saying is, should you not be concerned? Right? Yes, you should be concerned, Jonah. If you had my heart, if you understood my love, you too would be concerned for the things that I'm concerned about. But you're concerned and ready to die over a leafy plant that grew up one day and died the next. Really? Really? Tell me about it. No, God wants you. He wants me. He wants us to be concerned about things that are eternal. Yes? Eternal. See, I'm a bit of a creative. I'm very imaginative. Drove my mom crazy most of the time. Now I drive my wife crazy. Lots of ideas. One thing I've discovered the last couple months is that God is freeing me in my teaching gifts to be imaginative with all of you on a Sunday. Funny examples and little illustrations and, you know, the kids' lessons and, you know, stories like the one I'm about to tell you. I thought this week, all of us are going to be walking someday in heaven. And through the last month or so, I've grown to love our brother Jonah. And I can't wait to see him in heaven. I'm going to be, you know, uh, maybe waiting in line at the heavenly Starbucks. And I'll come up to the counter and oh, here he is. He's working. Jonah's working the Starbucks counter. It's decorated with wonderful leafy plants everywhere. It's awesome. But he, he strikes up a conversation. We have, yeah, well, hey man, I did this wonderful lesson on you back in, you know, 2022. And 
He says, you want to come back to my house? Sure, yes, love you. I want to see your mansion. And you know what? All along the way, he's high-fiving. Hey, how's it going, Jonah? Yeah, what's up? Oh, hugs. Oh, yeah, all these people just swooning over, over Jonah. And he's very humble. Yes, oh, yeah, thank you. Yep, praise the Lord. Yep, yes, glory, glory, glory. Jonah, who are all these people? They're Ninevites. Yeah, they're Ninevites. I was wrong. I was terribly, terribly wrong. You see, because Jonah realizes, as you and I, the only thing, the only thing that you and I can take to heaven is the other people that we come in contact with. And as we said last week in this wonderful, you know, wonderful, creative catchphrase, does your Nineveh have a name? Does your Nineveh have a name? Has God given you a special assignment also? I pray He does. And I pray you listen carefully. Who might give you the high five in heaven? Who might run to you and say, praise the Lord that you shared with me the beautiful message of God's grace and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us? Who will you invite to be in heaven with you? What a powerful story. Should we not be concerned? Should we not be concerned? Yes, we should be concerned. And the, the enemy, our, the devil, our enemy, distracts us with leafy green plants. That yes, God sometimes removes from our presence. And we get so angry. But I would pray for you that that's the indicator to run back to Jesus. Run back to God. And say, Lord, have I gotten distracted? Am I being concerned with things that just don't matter? Oh, I want to be back in step with you, Lord. Living my life for you. I'm Charlie Grimes, ex-athletic coach, exercise physiologist, and athletic director turned pastor, podcaster, and author. It wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the courage, the money, and the time to truly step into my God-given giftedness to encourage, teach, and lead people to a deeper and more fulfilling, meaningful life. After many failed attempts and lessons learned, I now enjoy the work of coming alongside people, hearing their stories, helping them start where they are, take what they have, and do what they can. This work used to only be a daydream for me. I created the Encouragers United podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step teaching and encouragement through both meeting new people and unpacking the valuable lessons found in the Bible. If you're an ambitious leader, teacher, pastor, coach, or even a parent, who's looking to make a positive impact in the lives of everyone around you, we've got a show for you. It's the Encouragers United Podcast, and it's available on all major platforms. Search for us also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and join my community of positive-minded, enthusiastic leaders at charlesrgrimes.com.